This is Scott Fishman with Anthroposophy Today. Welcome to the Revolution, starring the ninth grade. The 14 and 15-year-old students are now entering what Dr. Steiner called the third birth, or the birth of the astral body and the wonderful and chaotic life of feeling. The students often display a mix of excitement and hesitation as they enter high school, and as if that were not enough, they are wrestling with strong hormonal changes. As they learn to become the captains of their own ships, we meet them with the study of riddles and revolutions, learning to think with a cool head, and studying the violence that may ensue from fanatical ideas, prepares them to confront the very real polarities that exist in life and in their own bodies. The Goethean method of exact and precise observation and reflection develops their thinking ability as they study thermodynamics, human anatomy, geology, and gases. Thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or comments on the episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at anthroposophytodaypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like more information, you can check out our blog post for this or any of our other episodes at www.anthroposophytoday.com. Welcome back. All right, so let's let's uh, let's talk about ninth grade. Okay. We just finished. Hold on. Let's just get some. Where have we been? We've been that the kids are now we have becoming like adolescents. Yes. Right. We have journey through early childhood, uh, grade uh, one through eight, mm. and um, they have entered puberty in a way. Yeah. So we are in that stage. You know, yeah. thirteen, fourteen is when they are in uh, eighth grade, and now we're entering the fourteen, fifteen. Mm. Stage. And so most schools, I think, when I when I was a ninth grader, we started at the high school. There mm-hmm. was nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Mm-hmm. But I think that's that's not as common um, in the states. Most schools, high school starts at tenth, right? Ten, eleven, and twelve. Well, um, I mean, it was different because then you're grouped with, you know, all of a sudden you go from being king of the hill in eighth grade to, you know, uh, freshman. Yeah. I think now high schools, most high schools are uh, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Are they? Because okay. they yeah. follow their um, sort of college names when they call them. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, freshman, freshman sophomore, sophomore, junior, junior and Got senior. It. So they yeah. use the same language for the college. Yeah. Um, what I think... Um, changes is in you know public schools or certain private schools where they have fifth six and seven Mm -hmm. um together Mm -hmm. and sometimes six six um fifth fifth six seven and eighth together and sometimes eighth gets um thrown into the high school Mm -hmm. but almost like a pre-high school or something Mm -hmm. like that but in general um like you know the the main uh middle school that was in when we used to live in new hampshire they have fifth sixth seventh mm-hmm. and eighth together fifth, 
So sí, it, they don't have eight. middle school at six, seven, and eight, but they have it as starting in fifth grade. Some oh. schools, some public schools may do that, but in in usually in Waldorf education, they have grade one through eight, and usually the six, seven, and eight, if the building or the um, structure mm -hmm. where the school is located allows for this, they will be in a separate part of the school, meaning yeah, okay. six, seven, and eight, which gotcha. is considered the middle yeah. school okay. years in Waldorf mm -hmm. education. Yeah. Um, so, and the high school sometimes, depending on, again on the um, a, a structure or the capacity of the school, they are in the same um, location and mm -hmm. sometimes, meaning grade school, mm -hmm. early childhood, and high school mm -hmm. just separating different areas let's yeah, say right. they don't you know they don't mix sure. all together mm -hmm. but the the kids they they do get to uh, work with the younger ones in different yeah. ways but they don't they're not in the pla playground together right. is what right. i mean um so and then sometimes there are schools that do not have the capacity where they are located for their early childhood and grade school uh, to have the high schoolers uh, be in the same uh, area because there is mm -hmm. no space. Yeah. So they have sometimes a building uh, nearby that um, they have. Yeah, okay. So, but it's, it, it differs, you know, in Europe and in, around the world, they have come up with different creative ways to do this. Mm. Um, and like I said, it's not like they don't want the kids to be together yeah. with the you know with the younger ones they do and they actually do uh, uh, you know develop different activities for the older students to come and work with the younger mm -hmm. students because as you remember how wonderful it is for yeah. younger students to see these yeah. older almost adults but that they're not adults mm -hmm. because they're still kids and they sort of feel like oh yeah, right. I, this is my hero mm -hmm. my heroine yeah, yeah. or something you know yeah. so it's really nice to have the high schoolers come and work with the younger grades in things they have mastered, like hand, you know, handcrafts mm -hmm. or any different projects. Like I remember the uh, um, a, the teacher for our son's class um, had a grade that was in eleventh grade when they were, I think, in third grade. Mm. So they they used to come all the time. That was her old class. So mm, the old yeah. class would come and work with other students of our son's class. And where our daughter was in that class too, yeah, right. In right. in the high school, right. and they would come and work uh, in different projects yeah. through the whole year. So yeah. that was beautiful to see, because um, and you know they're paired up with different kids. You mm -hmm. know, usually um, both sides love it: the high schoolers and the younger kids. Yeah, and you know, they, in general, um, they do these things all along. There are a lot of programs around the world. That are connected, like in Germany, I know there is um, schools that uh, make partnerships with other schools, like in um, uh, Central America or South America and other parts of the world, where the students, when they graduate from 12th grade, they have uh, they can have a gap year, mm -hmm. and they go and volunteer uh, into one of the Walter schools mm -hmm. that are Waldorf initiative around the world, and. Both parties absolutely love it. Yeah, Imagine, right, right. and this, the students have so many gifts to share. Yeah, right. It's almost like it comes alive, everything they have mm -hmm. done through their 12 years of schooling, in, and they are applied to mm -hmm. this, and they bring so many gifts to these little schools. But we can talk about that yeah, later yeah. on when we get to 12th grade. Sure. But 
are there any and there any um things so naturally you know mixing throughout the grades is the benefits are obvious especially when you have you know an environment like we've seen at a lot of these schools are there any things you want to kind of watch out for with you know the grades mixing i mean clearly one of them is like on the playground you don't want the the ninth graders playing with the necessarily with the the, the, the fifth graders in in a game well, it's rough um, but you know, well, usually, usually there are actually activities that they 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 can play together, mm-hmm. but there is also supervision. You know, sure. uh, the teachers are always there, and in general, the students. I mean, of course, there is always you know, there could be roughhousing. You know, yeah, you right. know, any 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 in any situation, um, but in general, uh, you know, the the students, the ninth graders or the tenth graders, if they come and they are in the playground, they're usually do activities like if they have a game, they play with them right. in the sense, almost right. like role models. Sometimes they could be a little, you know, um, right. yeah. but it is, there is always sure. supervision. And that's know? always, and in a world where we're always worried about safety and all that stuff, I mean, it, you know, it's not a bad thing that the older kids learn to be a little more gentle yeah. with younger kids and the younger kids learn to be a little more um, careful when there are older kids, and sometimes those lessons are learned the hard way, yeah. right? It's not something we have to then separate because something bad happened. Well, you know, you, know? You, you can see it also as how societies and communities, and still around the world, there are uh, cultures that still keep these, um, like uh, when I used to grow up, mm. uh, we never played just sure. the nine-year-olds. I mean, right. we had a enormous community, and um, not everybody did this, but I was fortunate that I had... Um, a very large uh, community with friends of my parents, mm-hmm. and they have kids. And we used to play in, when we were at the beach all together. And yeah, there right. were kids. I mean, at that time, I was maybe 12, maybe 11 or 12. And I used to play with the kids, you know, kids up to 19, 20. Yeah, they right. would play, we would play high and seek and things like that. And it was so much sure. fun. And, you know, of course, sometimes there may sure. just be a situation where, you know, somebody got bumped or whatever, yeah, you right. know. We did the uh, same. But we, you know, but I think um, in a way it's almost like a large family. And mm-hmm. little by little, you know, of course, you don't leave them all alone just to fend for themselves. That's not what right, I'm talking about. But little by little, you learn in a way life, you know, yeah. and it prepares you to um, stand in an independent way and in an individual way, where you individual way when you are uh, an adult, yeah. you know. I mean, certainly, I feel that all of those things that I did when I was younger, um, I was very social. Uh, helped me to. I never even would have dreamt that I would be living in a totally different culture than my own, in a different country, different language that I did not speak when I arrived, and it totally prepared me. Yeah, and I was sure. able to face huge challenges. Yeah, right. And I have never felt victimized yeah, or was right, a victim. Course. I yeah. have always yeah. seen it as an opportunity for yeah, me right. to, you know, challenge and have courage. Right. I think a lot of those things are just learned. The, the, the essence of it being, you know, like you mentioned, um, the point of view of victim or, or not responsible, what we would call longer discussion. Yeah. And if you're raised with a point of view of I'm a victim, we're victims, then it just it doesn't doesn't go 
everything you can see as sort of glass half empty. I'm the victim. And yeah, you can choose that. And and then life will prove you're right. Or you can you can not. So it was similar with me when I was up. There were all kinds of ages together. And you were just a little more careful with the younger kids. And they did get bumped and pushed and and you felt guilty, you felt terrible. <laughs> so yeah. so you know, I learned and, and they learned and you know yeah, yeah and so sometimes always, you know how are you gonna how are you gonna learn right. that you have to be more gentle with somebody who right. looks big, but they are a little more tender right. because they're younger, you know. Yeah. And the way you learn is by when something happens, yeah. like a little yeah. bump or something, you say, mm. "Ooh, I'm so sorry," mm-hmm. and then you feel like, <gasps> you yeah. know. Uh, and especially when teenagers are just like ninth and tenth graders because yeah. they grow so fast, mm. so fast sure. that their maturity hasn't catch up with them yeah. in a way. But they look like they're super adults yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they're yeah, not so yeah. these are things that help them to really um almost like practical you know yeah. experience you can talk all about it but if you don't have an experience mm-hmm. it doesn't become real yeah. yeah yeah so um Let's just start with night gray. So um, I'm going to just give a little um, general just to get us into what, what is the landscape okay. at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, So students are 14, 15 years old. Um, we see kids here that are, so, some are so eager for the high school experience. Mm-hmm. They just feel like, oh my gosh, because they are, feel that they are old, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. now they are like ready right. for it. And many are not. Many mm-hmm. feel very nervous about it. Um, and, and, and almost the same person could feel eager and very nervous. Mm-hmm. Because this is a totally different yeah. experience. Like I said, different building, different, uh, even if they're in the same location, it will be a totally different space. And totally new experience coming at them. Um, so um, kids usually, um, if you have had a child or if you have taught a child um, in the early grades and then um, teaching them in the high school, mm. you will hear them often said in ninth grade, oh, I have never learned that. Or <laughs> I don't have any idea what that is. Mm. And you know that that's not true because they did. And they knew that. Yeah. But that is very... Um, important to realize that this is a almost like they're speaking out what's happening inside without they even being conscious about mm-hmm. it uh, because these are um, connected to their inner lives their inner feeling like i say even if it's unconscious they are not aware but the reason is that dr steiner tells us that around this time um, there is the third birth and the third birth is re- referred to the astral body Mm. So we have had the first birth is connected to the uh, physical birth, meaning when you are birth uh, come to this world. The second birth comes uh, with the uh, etheric birth, and that happens around roughly between six and seven when the uh, teeth are coming in. How do we describe the etheric birth for people who need well, a couple is, words before? Yeah, we we have to. Yeah. Uh, perhaps one day do the yeah, podcast yeah, on this sure, so that we clarify sure. what, what this is. Uh, but the etheric uh, birth uh, could be seen as almost a release. The, the first 
according to Dr. Steiner, mm -hmm. from zero to seven, more or less, um, there is the focus of all the formation of the physical body, mm -hmm. including the organ. Everything, everything is totally, all the forces, all the energy of the human being is concentrated in the formation right. of this um, physicality. And it doesn't mean that we don't, <laughs> we stop growing, no. But right. meaning all the little minuscule things that are happening within, mm -hmm. especially the formation of organs right. in there, uh, inside us. So, um, so when the children, uh, and the indication for this is, I, I mentioned the uh, teeth, not just mm -hmm. losing the teeth, but the teeth coming in. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, one of um, our dear teachers, um, uh, Johanna, Dr. Mm -hmm. Johanna, uh, she's a doctor, she Stigmas. told us, Stigmas, she told us um, that it actually when the children experience the coming in of the teeth, it's as though they have, their, their souls are rattling. That's mm -hmm. why they have a lot of tantrums and a mm -hmm. lot of things happen because literally your, your, your soul is rattling. It's like the teeth that we have created and these are ours, mm -hmm. you know, meaning before we, the teeth we have were inherited, but when we create these, when we have these new teeth are the ones that we have created with these forces. So that's an indication through anthroposophy or anthroposophical medicine that the children are ready for uh, a much uh, more uh, uh, ready for learning mm -hmm. in a way. I mean, not that before they weren't learning, they just right, were learning in right. a different way. You know, this is more, and again, we're not talking about an academical learning right. as we're going to do it in high school. We'll talk about this now, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in this series of the years of high school, mm -hmm. but in the time of the 7 to 14, which is the grade school mm -hmm. years, um, they are their uh, life feeling is what how we educate it mm -hmm. through the feeling of you mm -hmm. know the life of feeling, mm -hmm. and that's how we bring all the uh, concepts and all the not in abstract concepts, concepts that are imbued by images and, and pictures um, that create a moving uh, in the feeling realm of the ch child. Right. So when the third birth happens. So so I just want to oh, make yeah. a quick comment on that um, because although those terms, you know, the etheric birth and the astral birth can seem a little, um, mm, I don't know what the word is, difficult to grasp in 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 some way. Yes. Um, they really have a a very practical basis, and so for example, if zero to seven is the physical birth, and 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 most of, or all of the forces, most of the forces of the child are centered on the physical body, the organs, then this is one of the reasons why um, overemphasizing young learning, we know that in today's society, we think that earlier and more is always better. And so there are a lot of uh, programs to start kids in the head learning. As, as young as possible. And so one of the, 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 the challenges with that is that the forces which are supposed to be used at those ages for physical development, organ development, is essentially diverted to mental development. And just by knowing that, without us pointing out negative consequences to that. One can imagine that if 
the forces that are coming into you should be used for your organs and your physical body, and they're being deflected to a mental, you can understand there can be some, a lopsided human being can be created where the the, the, the physicality didn't get what it needed and, and a preponderance of intellectual activity at an early age can actually become negative. And there are plenty of examples of that, which we could go into, which we won't. I just yes. wanted to point out that it's not just, we don't just understand these phases because it's fun to. It's because it really helps to guide parents, teachers, all of us as to why um, a baby needs socks and a hat on when the parent is walking around with a hat and a jacket and, and shoes and socks on and has their baby in a onesie, it, you know, and there's the whole other subject there. In addition that, to that's yeah. the, you know, connected to the warm sense that right. we can talk about right. it in another time right. about the 12 sense. But um, just to uh, connect with what you just said, that's the um, uh, referring to our conversation in the early childhood that I will, um, recommend whoever is mm -hmm. listening to this, if they have not learned, uh, heard that one, to go back and listen to that mm -hmm. one. Uh, that's why the early childhood in uh, world of education focused so much in the world forces, meaning everything that has to do with um, play and activities mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. are done mm -hmm. in a very physical way. Right. Because a long time ago, even when you were a child and I was a mm -hmm. child, we Play so much. Right. We were outdoors all so day. much Every, all right. day. Constant. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm not talking about even a grade school because no, no, I no, was no, out no. the whole Before day even yeah, in grade yeah, school after I came back from right. school. And when we were in school, we played the entire <laughs> right. day too. Right. Um, it was so we were very physical. We were very mm -hmm. active. Um, and I'm talking about before six or seven. You know, before first grade. Um, that when we used to. Be Children, we used to do a lot of things outside mm -hmm. with yep. the community with yep. things, and things have changed yep. in society more so yep. in perhaps developed societies more than other societies. Right. But clearly, in this country, they have. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, a uh, world of education has taken the lead and the responsibility to bring these experiences through the early childhood mm -hmm. that have been lost, right? And because it is unhealthy for a child not to be a child. Right. not to experience childhood um, nature and all of the beauties mm -hmm. of things that, yeah. you know, to be able to allow a child to just go for a walk um, and then just get lost right. yeah. in their, yeah. oh, they fly yeah. or they leave or they free yeah. or whatever it is that they're we doing when they're walking. We used to spend months on end building Houses in the forest, building rafts that would sometimes float and sometimes not float. And what a wonderful, <laughs> it uh, was a wonderful. learning experience. Right, right. I mean, because if it's sun, yep. you went, okay. And it was and then, we go back to the drawing board exactly. again. We create and something else. At right. Right. Uh, education right. in navigation right. Absolutely. and uh, yep. engineering that you Everything. were not even being instru yep. instructor for it. But yep. the nature was instructing yeah. you yeah. in a way, you know? Beautiful. So anyway, so that's, mm. I just wanted to connect to that mm -hmm. part given that you were talking about early childhood that's why that's connected mm. that way and of course the physicality of all the stuff that we do through the years it doesn't mean that when you enter first grade it stops yeah of course you not. have right. listened to right. everything is done right. through practical experiences mm -hmm. including in the high school 
because it is very important mm -hmm. to have a human being that moves, sure. that, that learn, you know, and of course in the high school we use other powers. We have to concentrate on the thinking, but never we never go there abstractly. We right. always right. follow a path, a journey where our whole being is connected. Right. And then we arise to the aha, to the light. Right. You know? So so this this digression started with the various sort of births, the physical yeah. birth, zero to seven, and then the this secondary the second birth, which is the etheric mm -hmm. birth, which we do from you know, it, it happens at the time of the dentition. Right. And it, it happens around six or seven. And it will of course go through the whole period of seven to fourteen. Right. Until because right. it always what what happens, as I said, all of these uh, through Steiner, Dr. Steiner has brought us an understanding through anthroposophy and through, you know, Waldorf education is one of the um, a wonderful things that came out of anthroposophy that he brought, but is filled with metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. So when something is being born, let's say in this case, the third birth, which is the astro, mm -hmm. there is something germinating. So in right. uh, so age six or seven, right. when the etheric was born, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the second birth, uh, there was a germination of the astral body, meaning right. the astral body was in germination state. And then it's now mm -hmm. released. And it doesn't mean when I say at age 14 that it's born. Sure. It is not totally, okay, and they are done. It's yeah, a pop, metamorphosis. It, is, right. it, it, it continues. Right. You know, to, to develop, to met, met, metamorphose. But, but we still haven't really talked about what the etheric birth actually is. The bringing in of the teeth. I mean, de describe a little bit more because that's the... Well, um, what, what happens there is that now, finally, the, it's not like the um, physicality is complete, mm -hmm. as I said, because we continue growing mm -hmm. through sure. the whole time um, until, you know, we're humans, our life. Um, but um, the forces are released, the inner forces, mm -hmm. the, the forces of this metamorphosis are released mm -hmm. to be able to focus the attention mm -hmm. of the human mm -hmm. being at that time mm -hmm. to something other than the physical body. Got it. So those forces right. are actually ready now mm -hmm. to go, ah, ah. now I can Hello focus world. on this learning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. This learning. Right. And as we talk about, grade one through eight, this metamorphosis happens every single year, every single grade. Something new comes, mm -hmm, right. something new they're ready for. Right. Something new is right. brought to them through the guidelines and indications that right. the designer gave us to um, help them with this process. Right. When they're ready, boom, right. this thing comes. And the same thing is in the high school. So now they are ready for the third birth, which is astro body. Mm -hmm. So the astral body is, let's say, released. And what it means is that before that, the parents of the child, whether it was, you know, mother, single mother, a single father, or, or a unity of the parents, mm -hmm. are, have contained or organized these astral forces for the child. Meaning, um, when this, this birth happened, let's say, um, what it means is that the parents, of course, are still there. They're still trying to organize and contain, but before they were the ones in charge. Mm -hmm. Here they're still in charge. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. the parents sure. just wash their sure. hands and say, you're on your own. Right. No, that's not what right. I mean. What I mean is that now 
that this is released, the young person starts organizing this on their own mm -hmm. inside. Right. So as you may have noticed, as having a you know being mm -hmm. a parent of mm -hmm. teenagers, the what happened is that this instinctive knowledge that we have of when do we need to go to sleep, when do we need to do eat, when do we mm -hmm. need to eat? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, it's an instinct mm -hmm. that we know. Mm -hmm. In, at, a, in at, at age around 14 or 15, it's like lost. Mm -hmm. And you can observe it really keenly. They have no idea when mm -hmm. they need to go to sleep, when to eat, what they need to prioritize, activities that they need to prioritize, or even homework. They just can, sure. don't. Sure. You know, they're just like lost in right. a way. And, and parents sometimes, uh, in you know, teachers too, but parents especially, because you have to deal with this mm -hmm, every single mm -hmm. day. It's like you are like shocked because mm -hmm. you don't understand what happened. Mm -hmm. Like you, you could do this, right? Why can't you not do this now? Right. You know, it's right. very puzzling. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also there are activities that you know they don't even know what feels boring, what's overstimulating. Mm -hmm. They don't know that they're doing something that overstimulates them. Mm -hmm. That actually is very uh, harmful mm -hmm. you know they just it's, this barometer is like shut down mm -hmm. yeah. so um, there is this chaos Yeah. Right. really you can see it as a chaos and I, I go back to the little comment that I made with um, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that already but Dr um, uh, I don't think I made it Michaela Klotch who is another anthroposophical doctor very well known um, she mentions that this stage is actually the real crisis, the only crisis that human beings have, mm -hmm. really have. And the reason that she says this is because this is something we cannot not do. Adolescents will come no matter what, mm -hmm. if whether you want it or not. And this is the most tumultuous and a storm that hits us. Mm. We, we all have gone through teenage years right. and we all, you know, if you're an adult, you have had it. And some mm. people may have a little easier, many people have may not, but it is a very um, difficult time for us when we're teenagers and for whoever is around an adolescent. Yeah. You can yeah. see the suffering inside, yeah. the uncertainty, the storms, the struggles. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even know how to help right. them as a parent. Sure. You just you just see that the child yeah, yeah, is suffering. Yeah. Uh, or the child is seeing another friend who is suffering. Mm -hmm. And it brings all of this. So mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like you're in a tempest. Yeah, in, a, sure. in a totally storm. Yeah. So that's what she calls it. Crisis. The only crisis that we humans have. The real yeah. crisis. I mean, we have crises all through sure. our lives. But there are things that come at us. Yeah, this right. is coming from within, from within. and it's something that we must do. Yeah. And we must mm -hmm. do it to be able to um, come out of, you know, coming through the eye of a needle, or almost going through this little tiny hole that you have to go through and invert yourself, flip over, mm -hmm. and then come through that yeah. in a different way, as a different human being, yeah. you know? Um, so, but we'll get there when yeah, we go to the yeah, stages, sure. but I just wanted to make that, um, just a little mm -hmm. thing that this is very, um, visceral in a way. Yeah. I, I, it feels like we, we have a hard time with that in our society. We have a hard time 
knowing how to, um, you know, parent that. We have a hard time knowing when to be uh, firm and impose some sort of guidelines so that people don't run off the rails and go crazy, and when to be, you know, more compassionate. And, and you know, um, it, it feels like we either just sort of throw our arms up. I mean, parents are very fond of laughing off the, the struggles of the teenage years. And, you know, we do it with sarcasm, but it, 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 it betrays a sense of a parent saying, I just don't know what the hell to do. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, and, and, and I don't have any quick truisms other than it, it feels like that you, you're, you're walking this balance between you know, severity and compassion. You need both. And there are times when you have to be a little severe. Um, and there are times when you just have to sort of hold your, 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 your child with compassion. And so it's difficult to know. Um, I think it's very helpful uh, when we learn these sort of inner truth about what, you know, if we actually understanding, if we mm-hmm. have an understanding of what really is happening, not only physiological, but mm-hmm. a inner right. life, because it gives us a, um, almost like uh, an insight that can become wisdom mm. if we choose, to, you mm. know, if we choose to really work in ourselves right. too, because this is another thing that sure. I don't have time to go into, but that we, I just want to mention it, that also at the time that a teenage year comes, it may throw at the parents mm-hmm. their own teenage year. Sure, yeah. You yeah. know, meaning it just you face yeah. with things sure. that perhaps you did or you lack right. or, or uh, your parents did to you and you have a hard time doing that with your own sure. child because mm-hmm. you were exposed to that, mm-hmm. to meaning to the severity of the discipline. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the too extreme of not doing anything. Right. And then the child solves, right. you know. Right. So I so, think that knowing that it's a balance between, if if you will, compassion and severity, then it 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 gives a parent license to um, recognize that there is a time for both, and that the voice in your head which says, "Well, you know, they were tough on me, so I'm going to be easy on my children," is in every situation will not actually turn out well uh, because you can be too much compassion is not. A good thing. It it creates a sense of you no know, boundaries and too much looseness and, and 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 you know kids at this age need to be sort of told, okay, that's enough, that's enough, not with anger, but with with firmness, that's enough. You're going to hurt yourself or someone else. You don't even know that now. I'm just telling you for your own good, for all of our good, without anger, just boom. And yes. and so that's the severity. So, exactly. Yeah. And and so and I will you know con- we will continue mm. almost like this um Theme, helping yeah. helping um unveil a little bit this uh, age yeah. time so that we can see what happens when there is not really a firm, mm-hmm. you know, I will I always feel that there is this firm love that mm-hmm. has to be, you know, mm-hmm. firm, loving authority, mm-hmm. where there is always love, but love doesn't mean allowing the child to do whatever they want right. at whatever age you have, right. because that creates the opposite, right. you know? So, um, is and they need it, especially teenagers. Mm-hmm. They need to have people that they can 
actually looked up, mm -hmm. but that they respect. Mm -hmm. And if you are just wishy-washy or whatever, or a tyrant, <laughs> they're not mm -hmm. gonna be able right. to be to see you as a right. as a as a person that right. they looked up because right. they're looking for um, ideals. They're looking for mm -hmm. people that they feel, oh, I can um, look up at this person. I and it doesn't mean just one person. That's what the high school is filled mm -hmm. with different, uh, right. you know, uh, people that have their, their specialties. Specialties, yeah. right. you know, that they bring in. And but anyways, that mm. we'll, we'll okay. talk about. So. Um, so a child in this time in adolescence, a child can be child can be inspired to uh, a pursuit true excellence, or they can find no inspiration to join the adult world. I mean, mm -hmm. you have seen this, this mm -hmm. sort of thing, you know. Um, and so when these they, they have this almost like this polarity, you know, uh, in general the adolescence, but. Uh, I will bring this into specifically to the ninth grade later, but you can see these um, two polarities that one is somebody can really have, <clears throat> you know, that they want to excel mm -hmm. and other ones that are just like, eh, mm -hmm. I don't really, mm -hmm. don't right. feel inspired, right. you know? And I don't, I don't be careful with that because it's not that they're lazy, even though right. sometimes, yeah. sometimes people see teenagers as lazy and it's not lazy, it's just that they have this, chaos inside mm. and they sometimes they feel paralyzed mm. you know so it makes and then of course hormones are raging <laughs> mm -hmm. they're going they don't even know what's happening inside and they have one day they feel especially ninth grade they hate something and then the next moment they love it mm -hmm. and they're just total extremes okay so is um you know many adolescents because of these um this regulator inner world that they feel, you know, they don't know exactly what it is, but they feel something is something mm. is weird. They, mm -hmm. they don't even know, but they just feel, oh, I don't know what I feel so sad right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Or uh, you feel so ecstatic the next moment and you don't know what you want. It's all of these things. Um, they are sometimes tempted to manage this dysregulated inner world by self-medicating mm -hmm. this uncomfortable sensation that they feel that, mm -hmm. uh, like I said to you, is not very clear either. What is like if you say, but what is wrong? Yeah, what do you feel? Don't I don't know. No, no. That's yeah, when they're sure. feeling, you know, you have had that experience when you see them and you try to help them and they just cannot verbalize yeah, right. what exactly right. is, even somebody who's very good with words. Um, so this is, um, you know, they, they, they try to, like I said, it's almost like they want to self-medicate um, to manipulate these astral forces mm -hmm. that are floating yeah. on them, and they have not really had this. Right. This is a new, totally different terrain. Um, and, you know, they can do this in many ways. Um, I'm talking about negative ways. Mm -hmm. We're not even talking about the good ways. I'm mm -hmm. talking about what, what could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, this doesn't happen to all teenagers, right. of course, but this could happen. Um, that they can do it in many different ways, you know, sometimes through sensory seeking experiences such as um, video games, mm -hmm. extreme sports, you know, those things that, that give them totally adrenaline. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not talking about just regular sports, I'm talking about extreme sports, mm -hmm. throwing themselves sure. on the bridge and those jumping, sure. things that are that way, you yeah. know, um, things that are very extreme that are adrenaline 
um, seeking. Mm. And uh, also they uh, can do it and or they can also do it through soft and seeking behaviors such as use of nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, drugs. Um, and it can also be a, a done by manipulating physiological connections with the feeling life. And um, this is using food, for mm -hmm. example. And then we can see these patterns in uh, anorexia, bulimia, and also uh, binge eating. Mm -hmm. And they also can find ways uh, in finding physical markers, um, boundaries, physical boundaries, uh, such as cutting, which mm -hmm. is very mm -hmm. uh, prevalent. Right. Uh, I'm not talking about committing suicide. I'm talking about cutting. Yeah, That's right. a, you know, it's a totally different sure. thing. That I'm not saying didn't happen before, but much so now. Mm -hmm. And you can see if this is a physical marker that I need for boundaries, mm -hmm. you can see why it's more prevalent now than it used to be yeah. before, you right. know, when you were young. Sure. Younger. Yeah. Um, and tattoos, too. Mm -hmm. It's another physical marker. Um, another way that the youngsters uh, try to manipulate, you know, try to you know, manipulate these astral forces in a way is through sexuality, you know? Right. So um, where the physical encounter or the affection uh, may be used as a remedy to emotional trauma or mm. vulnerability. So these are different ways that teenagers may try to uh, self-medicate. And I'm not saying these are healthy. Sure. You know, I'm saying that this is something yeah. that they may resort to, and sure. all teenagers do this, of course, but these are some of the negative mm -hmm. things that, uh, because of the extreme um, yeah, right. forces of hormones and their emotional inner life, they uh, feel so almost like shocked, and, and they don't know how to deal with this, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, these may be some of the things that unfortunately may occur. So, um, and of course, as the adolescent advances through this stage of crisis, uh, that could also be seen as an opportunity for the parent of the teacher uh, to really uh, bring ways, or let's say, if the child is learning to be the captain of their own sailboat. Mm -hmm. um, because before they weren't the captain, mm -hmm. somebody else was being the captain. Now they are being trained to be the captain. Um, so that there is an opportunity for parents and teachers to really help the student not to throw to be the captain when they have no idea how to be a captain mm -hmm. and, and drive the sailboat, but to teach them mm -hmm. skills and to awaken them into um, different um, ways of um, seeing the world uh, embracing the world, be in the world, not be of the world, but be in the world mm -hmm. and how to be in the world mm -hmm. in a responsible way. So, um, and of course, the astral forces become more comfortable as the adolescent grows into this adolescent stage. Mm -hmm. You know, at the beginning you will see ninth grade, 10th grade, and as you go, if you're a teacher in the high school, you will see how the youngsters are changing. See this incredible... I mean, from one day to the next, you're like, I mean, of mm -hmm. course, this happens through mm -hmm. all the grades, but in high school, it's huge. It's so how, so how do we um, 
harness yes. all those wild, crazy astral forces. Um, wh wh how yes. do we redirect those? So um, Dr. Steiner gave us wonderful insights into how he, ha he gave us wonderful in uh, insights into how we can help these young people ride, walk through this storm, you know? And he said that besides the physical storms that the body is going through, they are also the inner storms, mm -hmm. as I said, as I mentioned a little earlier. And these are filled with inner questions that not necessarily are spoken by the children, you know, spoken. They, they, they're just these inner questions that are not even, they have not even been formulated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so they are these latent questions in the adolescent that are under their consciousness. Mm -hmm. So under meaning they haven't become conscious right. yet. But there is this, this is a, on, that's what I mean by an inner storm. There is a physical mm -hmm. storm, which is all the physical changes that they're going through. But there is this other element of the inner storm, which has these questions that haven't been brought up. And they don't even know that they have questions. They just, sure. like I say, sure. when you ask them, they have no idea. Right. Like, right. I don't know. Right. Um, so in each year of the high school, these questions take on a theme or have an individual character in the mind and heart of each teenager who poses. And um, the Waldorf uh, Education Guidelines or Curriculum, however mm -hmm. you want to call it, uh, for, the, for the high school is uh, designed to address these questions mm -hmm. during the uh, student's four years of high school. And uh, we'll go through this a little bit uh, in each year that we will talking the podcast mm. for now. Mm. So each year of the Waldorf High School embodies in a, in, you know, in a whole picture, the question or a thing like that helps kinds these students. Uh, it helps them through their inner growth as well as with their studies of outer phenomena. So in ninth grade, there is this tension, very visible tension. You can you know, the students are in, in full poverty now, mm. and they are, um, you know, you can see this, you know, eagerness for learning in a way, even if a, a, a child is not that enthusiastic or whatever, you can see that they, 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 they want to know, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they this, and it is because the um, thinking um, capacities have grown, mm -hmm. and they, mm -hmm. they, they need to be uh, met by not just dead thinking, not mm -hmm. for dead materials, but things that are alive that make them inspired, that make them to be enthusiastic about life, about the world. And so, and of course, because this is so important, um, the curriculum is, you know, the guidelines that, um, the studies that are given then uh, try to meet this. So there is this, in ninth grade, there is this tension in the opposition almost like this polarity, mm -hmm. but there is a tension between these two things. Um, what did you say? It was a tension? Tension um, in this opposition. There is an opposition between um, these thinking capacities and this body that is raging <laughs> with hormones and things. So there is this tension. It's like, you, you, like, like physics. Really tense. tense. Um, and, you know, of course, you can see sometimes because really, the the, the the body of hormones is is the the antithesis of calm, cool, collective exactly. thinking. 
And it so totally it really is a war. It's a totally yeah, exactly. Right, right. So because there is this, um, and of course there is a struggle. You can see the kids struggling. Don't tell me what to do, or whatever it yeah, is right. at that time is when they start. They may start a little bit when they're in eighth grade, mm-hmm. but but they they have this very like I want my own space or something, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, whatever <right>. they say. <laughs> we have said it <laughs> when mm-hmm. we were that age. Um, so and you know there is a little struggle and maybe a revolt mm-hmm. at that time, you know. So because of that, this is a time where we explore revolution. Remember mm. that we mentioned yep, that in yep. eighth grade, sometimes the teacher will introduce a little bit of this. Sometimes they won't. They will just focus on other parts of, uh, there's so much history that, you know, mm. you can focus on the pages so, uh, in eighth grade. But here, definitely, revolutions fit them. And, uh, you know, the history in general is looking through, like, from 15th century until modern history. Mm-hmm. And they don't do just one block. They do two blocks. Mm-hmm. But anyways, but the revolutions are perfect for them in a way mm-hmm. because that's what they're going through, you know. And yeah. then, you know, you look into the French Revolution, the American Revolution, the um, Russian Revolution, and very different. But at the same time, they have a lot of um, commonalities in a way, yeah. you know. And this, this meets them so well, like I said. So they explore, you know, uh, lofty ideas and achievements that have been made through these um, revolutions that happened. And also they see that violence and failure can be a consequence of moral rigor or fanatical idealism, mm. you know? And they, they don't see it in a um, subjective way. We try to present it in as subjective as possible mm-hmm. that can be presented, not so much facts, but images again, mm-hmm. you know? And images also can be seen through, you know, remember that we talk about in the grade schools that there is like an umbrella of stories, the mm-hmm. storytelling. Well, now the storytelling becomes different. Mm-hmm. Storytelling now becomes literature, yeah. poetry, drama, you know. So that's how the storytelling, because it meets the, the teenager, in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but there's still stories. And we still mm-hmm. bring biographies because the students need to, they need to know who that person was. Mm-hmm. Who's that human? Yeah. What 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 was that? What were they all about? Mm. You know. So um. They um they also need to understand the historical forces that come to expression in the current global situation. Mm. So you come True. you study the past, right? To see the present and possible the future. Mm. So yeah, that's right. what I mean by the global um situation that we right. have today. You need to understand where that comes from. What happened? you know, in good and bad. And that's a good time, you know, to do these kind of things. Not when they were in seventh or eight or six, because they're, they're, their thinking capacities are not really, even if a child yeah, is sure. very talented, but that doesn't meet yeah, them developmentally. Can't relate to Here that. they, mm-hmm. sure. it meets them like so mm. well. Mm. Um, and it is um, very important for the student to also get to know the individuals, like I said, mm, who, sure. you know, who are behind ideas, and intentions that led them to specific inventions. Mm-hmm. You know, if we study um, when we were doing, when we do the sciences, mm-hmm. and even when we do, you know, the Declaration of Independence and things like that, the preamble of the Constitution of the United States, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. what does it say? What does it mean? Uh, what is that? You know, yeah. that was actually, you can see that in the consciousness of humanity at that time, that was the first time 
the first time that a group of people have said, we the people. Mm -hmm. Never before right. that existed. Right. That is an indication of the change of the human mm -hmm. again. Because yeah. we have talked about human consciousness with in the Greek mm -hmm. mythology through uh, Oedipus, I think we mentioned a little, we can mm -hmm. talk. That actually, we study that in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Because now it's a change of consciousness in the child. There is something happening. And uh, the study of the Odyssey mm -hmm. is actually wonderful mm -hmm. um, to bring that because it's about the journey of a, a person, a man, mm -hmm. a man that, and you can see through, and in a way it mirrors what they're going through. Yeah, right. Whether you're a, a, a girl or a boy, doesn't matter because these are mm -hmm. archetypal images that you can relate to what they, what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, how this person did this or said this. Mm -hmm. That did not happen in humans before. So right. now this relates to them because they have more an independence in them right. that they didn't have before. Right. I've always found that to be a fascinating um, example. Because I, when I lived in Italy, I read on my own the Iliad and the Odyssey. I hadn't read them before. And so I was, you know, in my late 20s. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then much, much later... I learned conceptually some of the important elements of the Iliad and the Odyssey and how they compared and contrasted and how in the Iliad, uh, you know, and it, 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 I didn't get the concept at the time I read it, but when I learned later that w what was always happening in the Iliad, which was representative of that period of time, was the characters were always speaking to whom? To the gods. They were yeah. always speaking to the gods. They were having conversations with the gods, which, you know, long digression, which we won't go into, is that this was real. This, is, this was what they did. They spoke up to the gods. And then in the Odyssey, which comes after, it's the return voyage, humanity has evolved a bit, mm -hmm. Odysseus is speaking to who? He's speaking to himself. To himself. And so... He has, he, he has reflection. He has inner, inner right. uh, ponderings. Like, right. what, what was this all about? Right. That did not happen. Right, before. and that reflected the evolution of humanity. Where and people to these days take for granted the fact that they can speak to themselves. We, it's it's like the air that we breathe. You mean we didn't always have that? No, you didn't always have that. You didn't have the capacity or the interest to actually speak. To yourself. And we're it's not in, talking about speaking to yourself like you have right. We're, talking about we're talking about walking around the house muttering to yourself. No, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about inner right. uh, at the end of the day you can inner say reflection. inner reflection. Right. You can say to yourself, what was my intention for today? How did I how did I do? Look back on your day and you can reflect and you can recalibrate imperfectly or perfectly however you want to think of it. That is a relatively new ability in the human being as a whole, and also in the life of an individual human being. We're seeing this in the adolescents wake up. We're seeing them now for the first time able to actually have an internal dialogue, yeah. which can be very frustrating for them. Um, but so, so the literature reflects it, the curriculum reflects it, it's what's going on. It's really quite beautiful how how um how it all comes together. Yeah. Mm. yeah it, it is. And um and, and that's exactly that's what's happening with them. So that's why the artist is a is a wonderful mm. um way to 
really uh, sad in a way mm -hmm. because um, it mirrors that Huh, inside, right. like, hmm, even if you don't think that, you mm -hmm. don't go, oh, aha, aha, I can think. Right, no, but you right, can right, go right, home right. and you reflect, right. oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said right. that. I should not have done that. And then they apologize. And not that mm -hmm. they don't do that when they're little. They can do that too, mm -hmm. but in a different level. Mm -hmm. This level has a growth inside mm -hmm. when they are able to do that. Right. And I so, want to be clear on something that, the 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 I'm going to use the word loosely the curriculum because there is a curriculum even if it is the student and it's always being formed does not the curriculum does not say teach the children that they now have self consciousness no. <laughs> this is a conversation we're having which is is useful for teachers and parents so that they know what's going on with the child yeah, exactly you don't want to say to the child oh well now you have the ability to have an internal conversation with yourself well but that, that's mean, another point yeah, that is very yeah. important that i was going to get to at some point mm -hmm. which is but i'm going to do it now because um it's, it has come mm -hmm. is that uh the teachers of the high school uh waldorf teachers in the high school um we learned that because you know, Steiner was very clear about this, um, that the students at this time need riddles. Mm. They, they need riddles that they can uh, solve themselves, that we as teachers or parents don't solve those riddles mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we kill something. You know, this is a mm -hmm. time where we need to open doors and help them. You know, in the in the grade school, the teacher had a very central role in the middle, in the center. Now the teachers take a peripheral role. Mm -hmm. They become guides. So you bring, of course you bring, it's not like you're going to sure. bring them to do them alone. You bring things to awaken them to things. But, and then you bring questions and you bring things so that they can think can help them mm -hmm. not yeah. to what to think mm -hmm. how to think yeah. the way you help people do this you start you know in, in ways that are wholesome yeah you know sure. so i remember you, those you when say, i was young we used to do riddles all the time and it was just a real real challenging exercise in 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 thinking and questioning yes and boy could we could we use some more of that in the world huh yeah and, yeah. and you know and, and by riddles and it's perfect you bring that because by riddles i don't mean just an actual riddle that's very important mm. that you give some sometimes because we we even open those little things with uh in the grade school mm -hmm. with little certain grades mm -hmm. you just put a little easy riddle they love it and some of them sure. will come at the end of the class and say is it this sure i remember <laughs> those ones for example the music stopped and she died. Yeah. I mean, probably many people have heard that. And you had to figure out what exactly happened. And something, and it would take a long time. And we would do it together and did, well, was she this? Or was she that? Or yeah. was the music a live band? Was it, you know? And, <laughs> and, and then so you, you really became, yeah. you really had to think. Yeah. You really had to think. And, and, um, and it was fun. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, yeah. And so that, I, I, I bring this, the, the thing about the riddles because it is just like you said, that the, you see what you just described, mm. what happens when somebody gives a riddle and mm. something pricks inside mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. try to like, oh, right. what is it, could, could it be, right. could it be? And some people are like, nah, I don't want to do it. But some people, it really incites the mm. child. 
But so that is a symbol or a image for actually the riddles that we bring with the things we teach. Mm. We don't teach, we, we bring them mm -hmm. things. So but that it creates riddles mm. inside them. Yeah. Like right. like a riddle right. like we just talked about. Right. It creates that through not so much puzzles. Right. Riddles. Right. Right. That are difficult to sure. really yeah. decode. Right. You know, because you're presented with and like and like you just said, we never tell this the students or the other conscious of the student. We perhaps will bring it, but what is he doing right now? And you know, if you brought another example, but is that person doing that? No, huh? It's interesting. So you bring things where you bring uh, almost like a question and you leave it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and if some yeah. students come, sure. you, you help them through other questions perhaps, but mm -hmm. you don't give them the answer mm -hmm. in a sense. Right. You know, they come to the answer themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I know we're almost running mm -hmm. out of time. So I wanted to um, just um, uh, say that just, just to conclude, um, the picture for ninth grade is of um, greatest polarity. Mm -hmm. That is the image that we that will help anybody who's dealing with ninth grade. It's just greatest polarity. Like I said, it's tension to the opposite. And uh, we uh, also look at the book of nature in a sense that we do it through thermodynamics, anatomy. We study geology. We study the gases in chemistry. So you can see how these, you know, I, called, we call it the book of nature because we look at these things in nature, you know, thermodynamics, the anatomy in the human being, not the animals, the human mm -hmm. being now, uh, geology, gases, and all of these have this polarity. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, when we present something objective to a student, it steals the cow. Stills the it's chaos. The chaos. Mm. So that is very important that the parent or the teacher bring things in an objective. When you present something objectively, it just. Adds. You know, I was just, I, I know this is a way off topic in a sense, but I was just watching um, something going on in the, in, the, in the political environment where the attorney general was in front of the Judiciary Committee. Of Congress, and they're, you know, they're asking a lot of very hard questions about what's going on, and, you know, some, some, of the questions are really inflammatory and chaotic. I mean, it's really more of a, a rant that they need to get off their chest about what they feel, and say what you want about the current Attorney General, the person's pretty centered and stable, and. His objectivity in the answer has exactly that effect on the listener, which was it sort of, you feel the chaos of the question, and, and they really get going and whoop up the questions because people are, you know, they're upset about things. And he, he, he takes that and answers in a very objective manner. And the sense is that, like it or dislike it, there's a sense of peace that comes, that somehow it'll sort itself out. The chaos is, is, is as you say, is stilled. And I just went through that when I was listening to that this morning. So um, a useful tool to have, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
So they, um, just to continue the mm. recapping, um, just because I know we're almost yeah. out of time, yeah. so I would like to yeah. give this picture. Uh, as I said, greatest polarities, and we look at the book of nature in the sense we focus on uh, topics as thermodynamics, anatomy, geology, and gases, mm -hmm. chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, and these ones uh, have tons of these polarities mm, that sure. help that this, yeah. to settle this tension. Mm -hmm. and we also focus on helping the, the, the teenagers, the adolescents, to develop the powers of exact observation. Mm -hmm. Ninth grade is very, very important. And then, of course, the, then reflection, but with the exact observation, uh, so that they can experience their own thinking. And uh, for the sciences, we use not only the sciences, but especially the sciences, because these are the curtain um, observations can be used in anything, mm -hmm. but uh, in you know in humanities through a writing exercises, um, beautifully to be used. Maybe one other time we can do examples like this uh, for when we focus on curtain observation for one of our podcasts. But um, especially in sciences, all the sciences are done through. Curtain observation and focus on phenomenological process. Phenomenological. Oh. Phenomenological. That's a hard word. I know. Process. Phenomenological <laughs> process. Yeah. Great. And the umbrella question for this age, mm. for ninth grade, is what? Mm. What happened? What do we observe? So, and I just said, and then I leave it like that mm -hmm. because it, of course, is. You can have many, many questions, but the over, uh, over um, the umbrella question mm -hmm. is what? what? That's who you focus. Mm -hmm. What to teach? What is it? What's going on? What happened? What you know in the revolution? We're not talking about other things because with what mm -hmm. it really helps you to focus. Mm -hmm. What is it? Because you know it's yeah. huge. Yeah, sure. And you know, in, in, if you study the revolutions, oh my gosh, you can go a totally sure. different. Sure. You could start immediately with why that, exactly. that perhaps and wouldn't that serve them. And that does not serve them. them. Right. Yeah. It serves them just, just observe for because now. Gather need, your... Exactly. And yeah, again, exactly. as, as yeah. I said, develop the powers of exact observation that applies to every single topic, mm -hmm. not just science. Sure, sure. And, you know, and usually like I started ninth grade with revolution. And it was an, amazing. It flavored uh, everything. I was, you know, homeschooling our son, and I started, I mean, I, st I started a revolution with ninth grade, and he flavored, and he helped, and he, he, he guided the whole year mm. in a beautiful way. So yeah. if yeah. you are uh, trying to think, oh, what should I do? Revolutions is a good start. Yeah. Modern history. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you do revolution. That great. helps you. It's like a great... Um, Boat sail. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Anthroposophy Today. Check the episode description for a link to the blog post for this episode where you'll find additional content. If you have any questions or feedback, send us an email at anthroposophytodaypodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at www.anthroposophytoday.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.